Everybody that you meet, you can learn something from them. It's not necessarily what you achieve in life that matters most, but it's who you become in the process of those achievements that really matters. We all need people who believe in us. They expand the boundaries we place on our own lives. What makes me most proud is how I played the game. Being real, authentic, and spontaneous, and loving the game, to me, is what it was all about. When you retire, you may get a chance to go to football heaven. This is football heaven. Hello and welcome to The Mission. I'm your host, Jameer Howerton. And today, guys, I am honored to be joined by the Vice President of the Museums and Exhibit Services for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Mr. Celine Chowry. Celine, how you doing? Good, thanks for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure, Celine, because there's so much to cover in this mission, and let's just jump right into it. The Hall of Fame has just announced the finalists for this year's first ever special Centennial 2020 class for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and we here at the mission couldn't think of a better person to break this all down. And for people that may or may not know, Salim is the man. He is actually oversees the whole selection process during Super Bowl weekend where Saturday, Salim is locked down with all the selectors and they're arguing the class and who's gonna be the next class of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So it's quite fitting to have him here to break down this special once in a lifetime centennial class. So Salim, with that being being said, break it down. How did this all come about, and what can the fans, you know, how, how can how what, what do they need to know? Well, I'll start by saying uh, you, you said we were in the room with the selection uh, committee. I don't have a vote. I just oversee their debate and that decision making process. So just to state for the record, uh, but this year is really exciting because, as everyone knows. The NFL has been celebrating the 100th season this year uh, throughout the entire season. It's going to culminate with the NFL's 100th anniversary or birthday on September 17, uh, 2020, in which we'll have a large celebration here in Canton to commemorate that. Well, we thought it would be a very good idea, and let's just step back to when the Hall of Fame opened. Mm -hmm. The Hall opened in 1963. Professional football began in 1892. So right from the beginning, when the Hall started electing people, there was a 71-year backlog of candidates that had not been had the opportunity to be recognized to be a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So as we move forward, I think it's widely recognized and understood and agreed upon that there are some people that were overlooked or just fell through the cracks. And so with this 100th anniversary celebration, it's the perfect opportunity to us close out the first century of the National Football League by reviewing everyone and having an expanded class. And so uh, what we have is the class of 20 for 2020. And so there's two buckets, if you will. Uh, there's the Centennial Slate, which will be comprised of 10 seniors three contributors and two coaches, and then we're gonna have five modern era nominees. A modern era a nominee is someone whose career uh, ended prior to 25 years ago. Now, I know there is a blue ribbon panel that sits down and they're pounding this out and they're sifting through and they're evaluating these players. Tell us about this blue ribbon panel. Who's comprised of this panel? Sure, well, our normal selection committee um, is a 48-person committee that works tirelessly year-round uh, to determine our class on a year-to-year -year basis. 
With this um, uh, class of 20 for 2020, we wanted to bring in a few different voices uh, who have maybe a better experience or authority on some of the older players. Mm -hmm. And so what we developed is for this year only, for the class of 2020, a blue ribbon panel that will determine that slate of 15, the centennial slate. And that's gonna be comprised, or it is comprised, of uh, almost half of existing members of our selection committee, uh, members of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, uh, a few coaches, uh, team administrators, as well as a few industry experts. So it's a really um, diversified uh, panel that could help uh, us make this decision. Wow, and um, how many players and how many coaches and contributors do they have to work from? Yeah, so we began this whole Blue Ribbon process kind of in parallel with our modern era process. So um, we've been uh, working with the Blue Ribbon panel since August and fielding uh, nominations from fans, from selectors, anyone could nominate someone. And so once they started uh, deliberating to kind of do a reduction vote, there was over 300 people that were nominated that, wow. that we worked very hard to generate information for and then provide to the selectors so that they can make as well versus the decision as they can. So it's a lot of work, a lot of material that they go through, and it's not easy to have a, uh, almost 300 senior players and I ask you, okay, now you give me your top 20. And that's <laughs> just for the finalists. So right, right. It's, uh, they, it's interesting to hear and talk to them as we've done this and we've been holding conference calls uh, week after week going through all the candidates and discussing them and some of them just come back to me privately and just like this is really hard wow. I didn't know there was gonna be this challenge you know because it's really tough to right, to, have right. to you know make a decision on whether someone advances to be potentially a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame are you finding the selection committee to have more challenges of, of developing this class than the normal traditional class if well you will? I think it's all equally challenging okay just the okay. normal process in itself is a difficult one because mm -hmm. uh, you have the contributor and uh, um, senior candidates, and right. then you have the modern era candidates, and there's a reduction vote for all those things. And so there's really hard decisions that the selection committee has to make on a year-to-year -year basis every right. year. Uh, really tough decisions that will ultimately change the lives of a few people. All right, well, Celine, let's take a look at this list, and um, let's start with the 20 senior players. And when you look at this uh, senior players, like, who jumps out to you, Celine? Well, they all jump out. They're all very worthy candidates. Um, you know, if you, going back to our kind of our regular selection process, mm -hmm. um, if you look and see who became a finalist throughout the history of how we've done this for so long, uh, over 90% eventually get elected to the Hall of Fame. And so a lot of times it's not a matter of when, or, or not of if, but when you get elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And that's what makes this 2020 class so uh, exciting because we're uh, allowing for more to get in and they're all deserving. And so it's hard to point anyone out. We can right. just go through the list. Cliff, Cliff Branch, what a great wide receiver for the Raiders. Um, uh, some of those Super Bowl teams in the 70s and the, uh, the two victories that they had in the 80s was great. Harold Carmichael, you tell me if you're a D and you go up against a 6'9 wide receiver. How are you feeling on a week-to-week -week basis? I Great mean, this man. guy was a monster. Great man, yeah. And, yeah. and actually, he moved on and started working in the office and player engagement for the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles. Very Still nice man. Still works for the team today. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And is a member of the Black College Football Hall of Fame. That's right. That's right. Uh, Jim Covert, a great tackle for the Bears. Roger Craig. Uh, it, oh. There's a great stat on him where he made the playoffs every single year of his pro career. And he was not just with the San Francisco 49ers, with the Raiders, with the Minnesota Vikings. So wherever he went, the team had success. Wow. Uh, one of the most versatile backs 
ever in the National Football League. Bobby Dillon, a great safety for the Packers in the 50s. Uh, Lavi Dillwig, uh, one of the lesser known players today, but he played in the NFL's first decade. Wow. And was one of the best players in that league. And so it's really exciting to see him on this list, and hopefully he gets that due recognition that he deserves. So that's exciting. Ox Emerson, a great guard and linebacker. Randy Gratishar, those uh, orange crush defenses of the, the Denver Broncos, a great linebacker. Cliff Harris, a, a versatile safety with the Dallas Cowboys, America's team. Winston Hill, a tackle with the Jets, your yep. team. Yes, yes. Uh, Cesar Isbell, which may be the, the very first best passer of his era. He was the one that was throwing all these passes to Don Hudson when he was breaking all these records. Wow. And so wow. this guy was well ahead of his times in terms of the amount of offense that they produced on the field. Uh, Alex Karras, a tough defensive tackle. Vern Llewellyn, a halfback with the Packers, of, uh, you know, another great player. Tommy Novus, the first draft pick ever of the Atlanta Falcons and went on to be a leader on that field for many, many years. Wow. It's great to see him get some recognition here. Drew Pearson, great right receiver for the Cowboys. Uh, Donnie Shell, man, I mean, oh, those man. Great guy. steel curtain yeah. defense with the, with the Steelers. <laughs> what more can you say about him? Duke Slater may have been the first great tackle in the National Football League. And it's great to see him getting his uh, due recognition here because uh, just with the, the way the process worked for the Hall of Fame when it opened, he was right at the top of mm. eventually getting elected and just time passed by and he slipped off the list. So I'm very excited to see him on there. Max Speedy, you may argue, is the better receiver on the Cleveland Browns is on the opposite side of Dante Lavelli. So he was a very potent uh, end for those uh, early Cleveland Browns offenses. Ed Sprinkle, a tough Chicago Bear, now Worcestert with the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a really strong class. I don't envy at all having to reduce this list of 20 down to 10. It's a tough decision to make. Salim, this is such a history lesson for me, man. Yeah. I'm just sitting back because a lot of these names I remember, but just the knowledge and just the information, guys. So we urge you to visit ProFootballHOF.com and read up on these guys and take your time to read up on, on these guys on Google as well to learn more and more about these great men. Um, Salim, as we move forward, looking at the 10 contributors, mm -hmm. you know, once again, as you would say, yes, they all jump out on the page, but, yeah. you know, yeah. just looking at one of these guys, it, I was just so honored to meet the great Paul Tagliabue mm -hmm. when I started working for the Jets as a kid growing up. Right, right. Well, he, I mean, he really transitioned the league from uh, uh, into a real business, into success, and to catapult it to the status that it is today, and so right. it's. Uh, I'm glad to see him on that list. He's been in that room many times it hadn't worked out for him so this is a great opportunity for him all of them are all across the board art mcnally mm. i mean you talk about officiating and officials every single official in the in the united states whether it's the national football league college level or high school operates on the field and how they administer and carry themselves because of what Art McNally did. And so wow. uh, he's really the godfather, if you will, of officiating. So really, really good. Art Modell, uh, you know, with the owner with the Browns and then the Baltimore Ravens, but he did a lot for the business of the league as well. Absolutely. Really championing, uh, you know, the television policies mm -hmm. and really pushing through Monday Night Football. Without his uh, effort in that, we might not have Monday Night Football as we knew it today in that. Absolutely. Uh, Clint Murchison was a founder of the Dallas Cowboys, you know, America's team. I mean, what more can you say about that? Steve Sable, I mean, every single NFL highlight that yeah. we see today. Exactly. Uh, the way it's framed, the way it's edited, it's all because of the art and the history of, of, of Steve Sable. And, of course, his father is a member of the Hall of Fame. So that would be uh, another father-son combination. There's wow. only a few in the Hall of Fame, Dan Rooney and Art Rooney and Wellington Mara and Tim Manor. 
are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, so that would be great to see that. Seymour Siwoff is, uh, you talk about analytics and data, this guy did it 55 years ago. Wow. Uh, and so he was the first person to really uh, account for stats in not only pro football, but in all other sports too. So he's really a pioneer, if you will, in terms of data and statistics in sports. We talked about Paul Taylor, then George Young, yeah. uh, you know, framed so many teams and, uh, you know, of course carried the Giants to two Super Bowl victories across town, your, your hated rival <laughs> Giants, uh, you know, was the one putting that team together. So, I mean, really strong. And this is a group of 10 that we got to reduce down to three. And so, I mean, wow. it's another tough decision to try to do that. You got to reduce these guys down to three. Wow, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot, Salim. And then last but not least, we're looking at the eight uh, coaches, the mm -hmm. finalists for the for, mm -hmm. for this year's uh, Centennial class. Yeah, strong, strong candidates. Yes. Uh, Don Coriel, I mean, Eric Coriel, I mean, the way the modern passing game is today, I mean, this all goes back to Don Coriel and what he innovated, Bill Cowher. Uh, just how do you replace a legend like Chuck Knoll? Right. And then coach another 16 years with the Pittsburgh Steelers and take them to a couple Super Bowls and win one, by the way. <laughs> so, I mean, that's no easy task no. to follow. And he certainly did that, and he put his own mark on that team. Uh, Tom Flores, a uh, great underrated coach with the with the uh, Raiders. Talk about face, uh, you know, following up a legend. He came up after John Madden, right? And then won two Super Bowls. And so, you know, that's no easy task <laughs> no. either. Uh, Mike Holmgren, boy, does resurgence in Green Bay now. I mean, they had floundered, you know, after the great '60s eras of Lombardi and the, you know all of the they accomplished, and you know hadn't had a lot of success until he came around and turned the whole right. thing around along with uh, Hall of Fame GM Ron Wolf, And of course, you get Brett Favre and that makes it easy. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Not, not that it is easy, but it helps. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy. I mean, uh, you know, turning around that the Dallas Cowboys franchise, and, uh, which went on to win three Super Bowls, yep. two, two of which he was the coach. Yep. Uh, uh, Buddy Parker, great innovator. Dan Reeves, who led the, you know, the, the Broncos with John Elway and then took several other teams to the, to the playoffs in the Super Bowl. Uh, no easy accomplishment. Not many coaches have been to more than one uh, Super Bowl with two different teams, so that's great. And then Dick Vermeil, another innovator, uh, and a guy that could just turn teams around. It's the same thing with the uh, the Eagles as well as the St. Louis Rams. It's taking them uh, back from uh, not a lot of great years and taking them to the Super Bowl. Wow, Salim, I, you are absolutely right. I do not envy the job of this selection committee. When you look at these great men that has shaped the game that we all love and adore, these they have a they have a they have a tough job to say the least. Well, I, I tell you too, it, it is a difficult one. And if everyone always asks, all of us every year, okay, you know, give me the inside scoop, predict what's going to happen. I've been at the Hall of Fame for over 25 years. I've never predicted a class, and that was just a, a class with a minimum of four and a maximum of eight. Now we're, we, we're getting 20 out of a total of 38 finalists. And I actually did the math uh, with a, a mathematician brother of mine. Uh -huh. And all of the different possible combinations from going from 20 to 10 to 8 to, to, to 2 and 10 to 3, there's close to 1.9 trillion combinations of how the class could be compri comprised for, for 2020. So you're not going to guess it and neither am I. <laughs> So fans, I know we're holding a contest and you can visit ProFootballHOF.com, the Ford Fan Vote, where they get a chance to vote on this year's 2020 class. And we'll talk about that a little later, but just staying here on the Centennial class. What is the next steps in the process? When is this class announced? So there's going to be a meeting here in early January with the Blue Ribbon Panel. 
and we're bringing them all here in Canton so they can get into the room and discuss all of the candidates you know, in person together and then they will vote at that time. Uh, they will leave the room, however, not knowing the results of the vote. Okay. When we, we will then start a campaign around the country to try to find uh, these individuals. We'll communicate with them now that the, they, it's public that they are finalists, uh, but to do a knock on the door at their house. Yeah, that's what I'm about to ask you, because yeah. normally we watch our CEO president, Mr. David Baker, yeah. Selection Saturday, knock on the door from room to room in the hotel. He's actually going to go around and knock on their homes. Right. The doors. Wow. Yeah. That's It'll amazing. Be interesting. So that's an early January. So we'll be rolling out announcements of who is a member of the class of 2020 on the Centennial Slate side throughout the month of January. And so then the next step after that, uh, on January 2nd, right. we are announcing the Modern Era finalists. And that'll be on a uh, TV show, 6 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network. We'll go through the entire list of the 15. And then those finalists then will be discussed at Selection Saturday meeting on February 1st in Miami, kind of traditionally like we do it every right. year, right. Uh, where we lock the selectors in a room and it takes several hours, and, but we, we get a class out of that and then we'll do the knock at the door as we've done in Miami and we'll skirt them over to the honor show to be introduced for the first time as the class of 2020. Well, Celine, want to thank you for Love joining you. us thank here you. on The Mission. Guys, I hope you got a huge history lesson because I sure did. That's going to do it for Celine and myself. Thank you for joining us right here on The Mission.